Welcome to The Confidence Crown. I'm your host, Lisa Hyde, and each week I'll be sharing a solo episode or bringing in a guest that will help you bust through your fears and get you laser focused on your dreams of time and financial freedom. I want to use this podcast as a way to empower as many women as I can to be financially self-sufficient because babe, you rule. Think of me as your business bestie that's been through it all and here to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. And while I'm not claiming to have all the answers, hopefully I'll help you sidestep the last two. Ladies, it is time to earn and own your crown and be the yes queen you are destined to be. Together, let's make it rain. Episode 6 of The Confidence Crown. Grief as a Caregiver. So I tapped into this a bit in one of the earlier episodes. I gave up my first crew to become a caregiver for my mother. At the time, I really didn't think twice about it because it was my mom and she needed my help. My clients, on the other hand, well, they understood in the beginning, but eventually they realized I needed to dedicate all of my attention to her 24-7. This was also the time that I left that career for a high-end job in retail as a manager. It allowed me to have banker's hours and it was close to my home where she was staying. And I also had the flexibility to take her to medical appointments when necessary. I was lucky at the time. Both my staff and my district manager were fully aware and supportive of my limitations. So while I plugged away at work, I did put my personal life on hold. My energy was spent creating a calm and healthy environment for her, putting my emotions on the back burner. I honestly don't think I cried for three years, maybe even longer. And as I got closer, or I should say as we got closer to the end, I made sure to have weekly appointments with a therapist and a prescription for, of all things, Wellbutrin. (laughs) It allowed me to help keep a medium pace. No highs, no lows, and just enough of an ability to keep me going day in and day out. My mom was young, angry, and not ready to give up but we had run out of options. Her cancer was so rare at the time that there were only 400 documented cases in the US and no real treatment options or protocols to follow. So she was a bit of a guinea pig and not in a fun way. The most important part was making sure she was comfortable and eating as regularly as possible. So just like in the movies, we went on a bucket list trip. She wanted to go to Tuscany. So off we went with five of her girlfriends and me. We rented a house in the country, and I drove a six-shift minivan throughout the hills and narrow roads between Tuscany, Lucca, Florence, and Pisa. The highlight of her day was when we'd arrive in Lucca for her daily scoop of gelato. I honestly don't think she ate anything else the whole time. And me driving five menopausal women throughout the countryside? Well, that's something I'll never forget. The trip took a toll on her, and in the last few months of her life, they play over in my head like the movie The Groundhog's Day. And unfortunately, there's no happy ending. I'm sharing this part of my life with you, not for sympathy, but for other caregivers out there who give and give and give of themselves and don't take care of themselves along the way. I gained quite a bit of weight during this time, mostly because she was rarely interested in eating the food I was preparing. No, it's not because I'm a bad cook. She simply did not have an appetite because the tumors were now pressing on her stomach and liver making her feel full, even though she wasn't getting much down. Every day, a delivery from Dean and DeLuca would arrive with some outrageous delicious dessert. I think I ate more chocolate babka in those months than I've ever had in my whole life. 
she would take a bite, put it down, and I would eat it or try to get her to eat it. You know, something like you do for a child. Open your mouth. Here comes the airplane. (sighs) It never worked. The month of December is like a ticking clock for me. I can recount every single conversation and story that we shared between December 2nd and the 23rd of that month. Like I said before, she was angry and not ready to give up and was fighting for every last day of her life. It was incredibly hard to watch and at a certain point, I had to bring in help. The amount of morphine um, that needed to be given to her so she could sleep at night or was in agonizing and pain was more than I could do in a topical manner. The final night, a nurse came in that was really sweet, a Hispanic man. He convinced me to go to sleep, which I don't think I had in days, and that he promised he would alert me if there was any reason I needed to wake up. Hesitantly, I went to my room. It was probably midnight, and six hours later, he was nudging me to wake up. Lisa, it's time. I went into her room thinking I was gonna see a peaceful woman. Instead, she was in agony, fighting for every last breath. She didn't wanna go, and I had to convince her to let her go. It's not like the movies. I don't wish this vision on anyone. I will forever have that moment, those minutes, that hour forever burned into my brain. She was just 59. Six years later, I got to go through it all over again. This time, this was for my grandmother. She was an anomaly, a true unicorn. My grandmother had never been sick a day in her life. She was fit, played tennis three times a week, and had a social life to die for. I, the granddaughter, had to make an appointment to actually see her. She would diet five days a week so she could eat her weight in food every weekend. She was the original foodie. So one night, when she complained about some pain around her ribcage, I was a little stunned. Even more so when she told me, or actually asked me, to drive her back to her car that she had left at Cedars because of some testing she had had. I think she literally picked my jaw up off the table. Her sister was there too that night, and we were both looking at her like, what are you talking about? What test? What pain? Why haven't you said anything before tonight? She didn't want to worry us. (laughs) She thought it was cancer, like her girlfriends had. You know, breast cancer. She would just go in, they would take out a lump, and, you know, she'd have some treatments and she'd be fine. Seriously, that's the conversation we had. It's like she was talking about getting a physical. But those tests would confirm that that wasn't the case. The pain she had had for four months and not telling anyone before because she didn't want to scare us were actually multiple tumors that were growing and pressing on her spinal column and ribcage. At the time of her diagnosis, she had stage four lung cancer, yet her lungs were clear as a bell. Yep, she had smoked um, in her teens and basically up until the early 70s, which would have been her 40s. And you know, when everyone in her crowd stopped. And again, I told you she lived a life of health. But this cancer, it was vicious. Four months later, we were setting up hospice in her home. Just like my mom, she was a fighter, and she wasn't ready to go. She had just fallen in love again. I'm serious. At 87, she had a boyfriend, and he was going to be moving in with her shortly. (laughs) But that didn't happen. The pain became intolerable, so the meds had to be kicked up, and she just kind of floated through the next few days. Friends and family stopped by to visit her, but she really wasn't interested in conversing, So we would sit next to her on the bed and hold her hand and watch whatever TV was on. 
There was a point when things seemed to look similar to my mom's last couple of days, and I could see her hanging on, and I couldn't figure out why. All of us close to her had told her it was okay and to be at peace and to just let go. And it hit me. Her sister hadn't said anything to her. So I ran to the house two doors away and knocked on her door. And Vera, you have to come over and you have to tell her it's okay to go. She looked at me like I was crazy. Why would I do that? And I told her you were the only one who hasn't said it was okay to go and she's suffering. Please come with me and tell her it's okay. She got her things and walked back over to the house with me, a little mad and frustrated, but she saw her sister and then she understood. She sat down next to her. Lucille, it's okay. It's time to go. I'm not exaggerating when I tell you, I think another 10 minutes passed and then she peacefully left us. To all my fellow caregivers and empaths, this story's for you. I know the pain that you're in or have been in and I can tell you that it's hard, but you do get over it. Or let me rephrase that. It gets easier to deal with. But don't give up on yourself. You're way too important. And the person who is sick, they wouldn't want you not to live out your full potential either. There's always a charity or foundation or group there to support the person who's ill. I want to be there for the caregiver. I want to form a foundation in honor of these two women. Those support all those caregivers and their loved ones. I mean, it is so difficult to make those quick decisions while you're caring for someone. I want a center or a database that provides free legal planning, hospice guidance, therapy, and support to those in the trenches. And one day, this dream will come true because of both the Confidence Crown and my direct sales business. If you or someone you know has been a caregiver or is currently one, I'd love for you to share this podcast with them. And if this is you and you're listening, just know I understand. And if you want to tag me at the Confidence Crown in any story or post, I would love to be a shoulder for you. I know it's tough, but you're going to get through it.